If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. From 3D Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, please enjoy this podcast edition of Late Night with Seth Meyers. On today's show, you'll hear Seth talk to author Nafisa Thompson-Spires, who continues the conversation just for this podcast. But first, let's hear Amber Ruffin and Jenny Hagel assist Seth with some jokes Seth can't tell. Here at Late Night, every night, I deliver a monologue comprised of jokes written by a diverse team of writers. As a result... A lot of jokes come across my desk that due to my being a straight white male would be difficult for me to deliver, but we don't think that should stop you from enjoying them, so we'd like to share them with you now in a segment called Joke Seth Can't Tell. Thank to our writers. That's Amber and that's Jenny, everybody. And I'm not. So here's how this works. I'll read the setups for these jokes, and then Amber and Jenny will read the punchlines. Here we go. A pair of gay penguins at a zoo in Denmark recently attempted to kidnap a baby chick from another penguin. While a pair of lesbian penguins attempted to adopt three cats. (laughs) Serena Williams promoted her line of jeans on Instagram recently using the peach emoji, which many people use to symbolize a butt. What's a butt, said white people. Do people really use the peach emoji to symbolize a butt? Black people do. White people use a pancake emoji. (laughs) A couple in Tennessee celebrated their 10-year wedding anniversary last week by visiting every Disney theme park in the U.S. within 24 hours. But sure, gay marriage is weird. So, I have a question, Jenny. Yeah. Do lesbians go to Disney World? Uh, We prefer Bush Gardens. (laughs) 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 A Detroit man recently had the police called on him by white women for gardening while black. Said the black gardener, ho... A new play opened this month in South uh, Africa called The Pregnant Lesbian. 
The play was made possible by a contribution from an anonymous donor. Today was National Color Day. So it's okay today, right? Said Megyn Kelly about blackface. So, Amber, what are you dressing as for Halloween? The ghost of Megyn Kelly's career. A porn site recently offered $10,000 to female pornographers who make porn for women. Or, if you want women to orgasm, just show them a dress with pockets. I mean, but really. I've never heard those noises. you don't have a place to put chapstick. (laughs) (laughs) Police in Virginia are searching for a suspect who robbed a convenience store wearing a panda mask. If found, they'll give the white half probation and the black half jail time. (laughs) Restaurant chain Hooters turned 35 last week. And then it fired itself. What? Do you want to tell them? Oh, guys, I really don't think I should. Oh, come on, just one. I feel like if I tell one of these, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. We want you to do it, Sam. It's going to go so well. Okay, well, you're my friends, and I trust you, so I will. Okay. Former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg said that he plans to donate a record amount of money towards female candidates this campaign cycle. Female candidates used to run in different cycles, but then they synced up. Sam, no! Okay, wait, wait. You know what? I learned my lesson, and I think I get how it works now. And this next one, I am gonna nail you guys. (laughs) A movie about two lesbians was recently screened for seven days, so it could qualify for an Academy Award. No word on which award, but I'm guessing it's not best makeup. How dare you? You. Told me it would be okay. Black women and lesbians are liars. Ooh. Our guest is a talented author whose debut collection of short stories, Heads of the Colored People, was long listed for the National Book Award for Fiction this year. Please welcome to the show Nafisa Thompson Spires. <laughs> I'm okay. How are you? I'm wonderful. Uh, Congratulations on the book. It's uh, fantastic. It was inspired by, uh, I hope I'm getting this right, uh, literary sketches uh, done by James McLuhan Smith. And what was it about his work that inspired you to try to write this work? My husband's actually a researcher at a university, and he constantly comes into the living room like Sophia Petrillo and just says, like, picture this, 1864, and tells these really... (laughs) ridiculous stories about black people. We weren't free, think about it. And so he was talking a lot about James McCune Smith's work and I was realizing how many things are not that different, unfortunately, from the 19th century and now from listening to him. And so I wanted to read the sketches and then kind of update them. Um, And then I eventually found that a little bit too restrictive. So I just wrote to the theme of heads more generally. I liked his title and I stole it. Okay, yeah, that's uh, totally allowed. Uh, You write about 
there are a lot of uh, themes that roll through this work, uh, chronic illness, class, race, uh, but race is never sort of the main definer in every piece. Is, is that accurate to say? Yeah, I think the collection kind of exemplifies intersectionality. Um, everyone's black and something, so they're black and disabled, they're black and living with a chronic illness, they're black and a nerd, there are a lot of blurbs in there, black nerds, <laughs> um, they're black and cosplayers, so I kind of wanted to tell those other black stories that I hadn't seen so much. You say you haven't seen them so much. Is this, it, was this an issue where these were stories you'd never seen and you thought, oh, I have the power to represent stories that haven't existed before? I don't know if I thought about it as power, but I definitely <laughs> felt that there was a gap in what I wished I could have been reading. Um, and Alice Walker, Toni Morrison, other people I've talked about, if there's a gap in something, you fill it in. And so I was kind of following that advice and telling the stories I wished I could have been reading. You know, we've obviously mentioned things like chronic illness and, well, again, race is a big part of this. There are some very dark stories you tell in this book, but all have sort of a, a lovely humor to them. Is that something that's always been true of your writing, to bring humor into dark subject matter? I use humor, I think, as my own defense mechanism. Um, and I really wanted to be a stand-up comedian when I was a kid. Not a good day to say that when Wanda Sykes is on the show and David Cross <laughs> is on the show. But I, would, I couldn't watch the really good comedians like Eddie Murphy and you know, Richard Pryor. I wasn't allowed to do that. So I was watching people like Dave Coulier on Full House. And I was taking his material as Uncle Joey and going to school going, like, cut it out and just being horrible and yeah. wondering why people were making fun of me. Yeah. But I found that when they were laughing at me, you know, any kind of laughter sort of calmed me down. And so it became a mechanism for me to deal with my own anxiety. And I think the, the stories do that too. There's a, a wonderful story in here that is a series of letters back and forth between two mothers who are, basically one is saying, your daughter bullied my daughter at school. And uh, it escalates as the letters go back and forth. This is inspired by a real life? Sadly, yes. My mother sent me a box of kind of crap that she called a care packet and one of the things that was in it was a letter from my childhood bully's mother. And I was the only other black girl in the class. So two black mothers at a very bougie white school, two black daughters in this grade. And the other mother basically said that I brought all of the drama to the school and that her daughter was perfect. And so when she sent me the letter, I was like, why did you send me this, first of all? And second, I'm going to make fun of you for this. And that's what I'm basically doing in this story. Did your mother uh, stand up for you? Is she someone that would write an angry letter back? Yes, my mother, if anyone did anything to me, like, you weren't invited to this birthday party, they're going to get a letter. My mother is a letter, like, four-page scathing letters. She's an expert at that. And she has written to everyone, airlines who have done her wrong, Orville Redenbacher for popcorn kernels that were unpopped in her microwave popcorn really? bag. Anything. Wow. Yeah. Did the Redenbacher people ever get back to you guys? She got a year of free popcorn. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Well, <laughs> the power of letters. The power of letter writing. <laughs> Uh, I'm always fascinated when we have authors on the show to talk about their writing process, and I've heard that you write with the TV on, which seems uh, incredibly distracting to me. How, how do you make it work? It's kind of my white noise. Um, I really like the TV. I like to watch really trashy TV, um, so no offense, but Paternity Court is one of my favorite things to watch. Wow. People are fighting, and it's just so juicy. And how, how are you not inspired by watching people like tell all of their business on TV and not even care about their children? <laughs> and then <laughs> the other thing I really like to watch is the old 90210, because it's kind of campy and soapy and all the things at once. And 
It was, I'm glad I heard that after I read the book because it would have been weird to read it going, oh, she was watching 90210. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being here. Congrats on the book again. It's a real pleasure talking to you. The Feast of Thompson Spires, everybody. Heads of the Colored People is available wherever books are sold. Hi everyone, it's Sarah from Late Night. I'm here with Nafisa Thompson-Spires after your interview with Seth. Thanks for being here. Thank you. We spoke a little bit on the phone and I wanted to, uh, we talked about this a little bit, but one of the stories in your debut collection, two of the stories I think dealt with a character named Fatima. Was it two? Three. Three, okay. So, and you talked about that you sort of have a plan for her going forward. Can you talk a little bit about that? I do. My editor's sitting right next to me, but um, <laughs> my plan is for her to be in a novel where she is in her late 30s now and we're revisiting her now that she's dealing with her chronic illness, which is endometriosis. And she deals with it in a very strange way. She is becoming obsessed with corseting, wearing actual steel-boned corsets and getting involved in this really weird Victorian cosplay group that is thinking about womanhood in a very strange way. So it's going to be dark, but funny, um, a little sad, all those things. Do you have any plans for other characters that stood out to you? And, that I you think can talk there about? will be an appearance of Christinia, okay. um, Fatima's enemy from the collection. Mm -hmm. Definitely her mother, Monica, will make an appearance again, um, possibly in letter form. There are some nasty emails sent in that the story so far. Um, maybe a couple of other characters. And you talked about that your mom is a big letter writer on the show. Do you do you think you'll use any other inspiration of letters that she's written in the past in some stories going forward? Maybe not, just so that she won't get mad at me. <laughs> okay. I think I'm pushing it. You're also an assistant professor of creative writing at University of Illinois. What's your favorite thing about teaching or more your favorite thing about sort of being able to convey to students being a writer yourself? I think it's really nice to see people who are fresh and energetic about the writing process because it can be really upsetting over time. It's a hard, long haul. Mm -hmm. And so the students are bright-eyed and just really, really excited. But also, they keep me grounded in my own philosophies because I talk a lot about being disciplined, but also playing, having fun while writing. And telling people that all the time means that I have to actually practice it. So right. it's good for my own practice. And I wondered, you've been, you know, this book came out earlier this spring and you've been on tour and you've, there've been so many wonderful, there's been such a wonderful reception to it and, and very well deserved. Is there a particular story or stories that people come up to and want to talk to you most about that they, that they love the most or that you hear the most? It's always Balletra. Really? They're always like, that story with the letters? I don't remember what it was called, but man, did any, and it's weird because I've actually gone to Martha's Vineyard and read that story and there were people coming up to me saying my daughter was in Jack and Jill and that actually happened to her or my family's in Jack and Jill and are you actually in the Claremont chapter that was when it got really intense was when people actually knew the references and were from the community and, and asking me about it. I loved the suicide watch story I thought that was probably like a, a stranger one but I just didn't see the ending coming and I thought it was so brilliant. I really loved it. I don't want to give it away, but yeah. yes, it's got a, a surprise ending. Yes, I think they're all so great. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And hopefully you'll come back with the next Fatima novel. Please. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Want more Late Night with Seth Myers? Be sure to follow the handle at Late Night Seth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can also watch full episodes of Late Night at LateNightSeth.com or on the NBC app. And please tell your friends who are fans of Seth Meyers to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. 
Every week, I speak to someone new. Stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.